0: Welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Empowered Podcast. I am your host, Anna Fulmer. Thank you so much for tuning in. We would love to hear your thoughts. Tell us what you think by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Good or bad, it just needs to be honest. Your reviews help keep us on the air. Now, without further ado, on to the show. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Imperfectly Empowered Podcast. I am your host, Anna Fulmer. Today, before we get started, I want to give what we would call a sensitive material disclaimer. This can be very triggering for some women, men as well. But today we are talking about miscarriage, stillbirth, and infant loss. It is an honor to have Christina Varvel today on the show to share her poignant story. She is a registered dietitian and blogger at ChristinaVarvel.com, and she is the author of Living Hope, How Giving Birth to Death Brought Life, where she shares her poignant testimony of finding hope amidst the grief of losing two sons. Passionate about creating an open, empathetic dialogue about miscarriage, stillbirth, and infant loss. Welcome, advocate and author Christina Varvel. Hi! Yeah. Hello. Oh my gosh! This is so fun to see you. I know it's in forever. It really has. I was actually thinking about it. I think the last I saw you would have been at Heather's funeral. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Which is years ago. Which is wild. Yeah. 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 I know. Oh, Blood. it's such an honor. I-
1: Yeah, I was. And I, at Heather's funeral, I was very, I was like, let's see, two months, one month, two months, one month, two months. I'm trying to think of how far along I was pregnant with the twins. The twins. I remember that. I was just Um, like newly pregnant with them.
0: So yeah. 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 Well, it's, I'm so excited to dive into your story. I basically cried my way through this entire book, (laughs) <laughs> I'm like Aww. sitting in my office sobbing. And I'm like, well, if anyone comes in here, they're going to think I just like lost a loved one, which is kind of how I felt. It wasn't oh. even like my loved one. yeah, And that's how I felt. But for all of you guys listening and watching, this is Christina Varvel. Now what's fun is what people don't know. Christina and I actually go way back, but it's not like we were best friends forever. Right. It's just we knew each other from college. At Cedarville University, you were there for one, one semester. Year? No, one, one semester. semester. Yeah, and then she yeah. pieced out. She's like, "Enough <laughs> of the cornfields."
1: Well, I went to more cornfields at Purdue University, so it wasn't like I really changed. It was like scenery. a lateral
0: cornfield transition. Yes, yeah, it was. <laughs> what did you study at Purdue?
1: Uh, Dietetics. So okay, I'm a, yeah, okay, dietitian nutrition. Well, that makes
0: sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we dive into your story and the book, give us a little bit of background and context for how you got to where you are right now. And I gave an intro. So, you know, for everyone listening and watching, you kind of have an idea of what the book is about and what we're going to dive into. But give us a little bit of the backstory and um, sort of how you even got to this point of writing this book. So you can tell us a little bit about you and Brett and, and your family up until this point.
1: Yes. So, um, I guess kind of where we were, um, I had, um, two children, um, an older daughter and a son and they were, oh my goodness, trying to think of age, you know, it was kind of like the kindergarten-ish, you know, toddler stage, right? Yeah. And, um, and we had always knew that we wanted more kids. Um, mm-hmm. We we didn't feel peace about stopping at just two children. And but kind of where we were at for a while, because um, there, there was going to be an age gap. We just didn't have peace of then having it. My husband is a filmmaker. Um, he's an actor and director. And let's just say it's It's not been an easy road in the filmmaking uh, journey. That's a whole nother probably podcast. But um, so we we literally live kind of project to project. It's literally daily manna um, for us. And where kind of Brett was in a season of life, it was kind of in this waiting period. And financially, we weren't really felt peace about having, you know, children and whatnot. But then, of course, is there ever a good time to have children?
0: (laughs) Amen. You know,
1: and I am definitely a type A planner and there is that like things have to feel like they have to line up and, and every, and all of, of, of that. And that is part of, I think part of my story too, is, um, God wants me to know that I cannot control my life. I cannot plan all of the details and only he is sovereign and in control of everything. Um, and so anyways, there was just a time where we were kind of like, we can't keep waiting. Let's let's try to have some more children. And with my first two, I had absolutely no problem getting pregnant. Very just like immediately, um, you know, not there was no fear or even thought of a miscarriage, mm-hmm. um, which I think is very common for most people before it's just like you just you don't think you're like, yeah, I'm gonna have a child, you know, and and you get the news the pregnancy test and all of that. And so um that's kind of how it was with my first two children. And so came time to okay, let's start trying. I got pregnant right away. Um and then at 13 weeks, um, it was just a normal kind of go-in checkup and uh where they just do the heart doppler, just want to hear the heartbeat. And um I had my my children would be, uh, my older two children, because again, I just was like, this is normal. I'm just gonna hear the heartbeat and mm-hmm. we're just gonna say, yep, you're on your way, type of thing. And that's when the story begins. And I did not hear a uh, heartbeat and the doctor did not. And she was like, well, let's do an ultrasound. And uh sure enough, I had lost um that child. Mm. And um so then the grief story begins. Um, I did not ever set out
0: to write a book.
1: It actually happened by accident,
0: <laughs> which typically is what the best authors say. So I'll throw that out there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Um, well, you know, when I was thinking about that. I feel like in a lot of ways, people, when things just, they fall in your lap, yeah. right? Like you didn't plan it to happen. Um, and so I did not sit down and say, I'm going to write a book about this. Mm -hmm. Not at all. It it came out of more, I am, I always was a journaler um, since junior high. I have, I I have all my journals and I am a verbal processor. I, I emote, I'm a very emotional person and how I process, I have to get it out. And that was then in the form of writing. Right. And mm-hmm. um, like I remember, it was probably I'm trying to remember the timeline, but um, it was probably like a week after we had lost the baby, and um, I I kind of go through my the journey of how the um my doctor I was right on the line of the first and second trimester, and that's where she gave me the option of you know we can do a D and C or you you could actually go in labor, and um, we we chose to. I chose to be induced and was able to... Which let's pause
0: on that for a second, because I think, you know, as someone, so as a mother myself, who, and I've said this before on the podcast, you know, I never had a miscarriage. I never had any difficulty getting pregnant. And as much as I can empathize with the sense of losing someone you love, it is just not the same as the... You know the struggle of losing a child. Not that we compare grief and what's harder or easier, but just the mm-hmm. difference. Mm-hmm. And so, walking through and this book, I I left an Amazon review and I said this. I think as a woman who has not struggled with these things or walked that journey, it helped equip me to understand and come alongside someone who has mm-hmm. better with more understanding. And mm-hmm. this was such an interesting, uh, just medical point that I would have frankly never thought about, which is ironic because I worked in emergency medicine for 10 years. But when I had women miscarrying, either I delivered the baby right there, which I did several times, or they um, went to OB. And so like out of my department. And so I never had any follow-up with Hmm, what happened happened. after that. Hmm. Um, So I think this is a really valuable uh, point just of education, when a woman finds out that her child no longer has a heartbeat, there are a couple options from there. Mm-hmm. And share that a little bit, like what are those options and maybe advantages, disadvantages to them in your experience? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, and that was the thing I, I kind of sat there and I, sh- I, and I, and again, I only have heard of a DNC, right? Again, I I I didn't yeah. really know much at all about it. And then we can get to if we want a little later about the whole like nobody talks about miscarriages. So mm-hmm. I didn't even I, I'm like uh, nobody has told me their story or their experience yeah. of it. I may have heard and known a little bit about it, but um I kind of was like I asked her, I said, so what happens in a DNC? And she was like, well, we go in and Basically, take everything out. And, you know, like, and I, she didn't like, she, you know, I, I'm sitting there in my response. I kind of was like, I mean, to be honest and vulnerable, I was like, that sounds like an abortion, you know, but I was like, but yeah. I know it wasn't abortion yeah. because my baby was already, you know, deceased. Yeah. yeah. But like the whole process of just going in and just like, whatever. And I kind of was just like, okay. And, and, because she gave me the option, like we went, we went home and we talked about it. And because what I was afraid of, so that of, of hold, what would it do? Yeah. It's easier to just rip it off like a bandaid because when you're suffering and you're in grief and you're in pain, you want it to go away as fast as possible. So that's what we do as humans. We want to stop it. And I'm thinking if I hold that baby, like, is that going to actually wreck me? versus
0: yeah. and for much, those of you that don't understand terrible. a dnc is dilation yes. and curettage and basically it is it's quite literally just like sucking the womb of what's in it because infection can happen there's a lot of things like ultimately the tissue needs to be taken out is the bottom line and with that though you you don't deliver a a child that you can hold, hold. because yeah, they, it, you're basically yeah, just taking everything out. So that's what she's saying here is yes. she couldn't do that with the DNC.
1: Correct. And so and now because again I was far along farther along, right? So there is that period where before then that is just the standard. Like you don't yeah. you the, they don't yeah. have the option. So I have friends who again after when I talked to them that have told me about the DNC it is, it is, it is hard for them. Like, and, mm. and again, that, like I said, that not, all, I was blessed to be at a period where I did have the option, but for those who don't have the option, it is, it is hard because they don't, some of they want it. They want that closure, I guess you could even say, sure. or that yeah. they're like, this was a baby rather than just a bunch of tissue, you know, tissue. this was, yeah. The- child and they don't have that opportunity. And I know that that then is a whole different grief. Um, yeah. And, then there's
0: and I've the- seen 10 weeks is the smallest that I've seen. I was in my second year of nursing school and I delivered a 10 week, mm, wow. um, a, um, a 10 week fetus basically that had lost a heartbeat in fast track, actually in the ER, that was an experience. Mm. And, um, and, at 10 weeks, I don't think I've seen less than 10 weeks like actually delivered. But I mean, it's it looks like a tiny, tiny doll alien is like the best way yeah. I can describe it. But it is formed. And that's the wildest thing is like you see the formation of toes. Even at 10 weeks, like you could start to see little like genital parts if it's a boy right. um, and eyes and hands. I mean, it's a really profound experience. So I don't know how what what is when do you not get the option for um, I think it is once
1: you hit the second trimester. At least that's what the okay. my my physician had kind of told me cuz I was at 13 weeks which is literally on where they say you're okay. transitioning over to the second trimester. So I gotcha. think if it's before the the second trimester, they they usually Got just it. do the DNC um yeah. and and so forth. And so and I know that there's, you know, a lot like people can also have a lot of just bleeding. They, you know, it even after it and it it is, can be, it can be really hard. Um, and so, and that's something that I think when you're, when you know someone or you're that has had a miscarriage and let's say they, whether it is, it's earlier or even after, um, because the app me actually delivering, I, my body thought I just had a baby. So my nose was coming in and like, you know, so, just because somebody may not, like, they they still have a lot of physical ramifications, even if on mm-hmm. the outside it doesn't look it. And then, of course, mm-hmm. the emotional goes even longer um, that, that we have to continue to walk through. Um, I did want to say one thing, though, about a pro yeah, about um, being able to deliver. Um, if somebody were to have that option is that um, my husband was able yeah. to experience the full I mean and hold our son and go through that and um I think that um men people it's like kind of like some men it's hard um because there is that detachment in the sense of Mm -hmm. they didn't carry the baby Mm -hmm. um but I think deep down a lot of men are also suffering but they just you know what I mean they they shove it yes they don't talk about it and and I don't think that our society really looks at the man and and mm-hmm. like sees that this was a part of them as well. And mm-hmm. um, my husband was able to grieve, hold, and be a part of it. And it, it really bonded us, I would say, definitely even more because we both had that experience. So
0: yeah, and I just I think you share that really well in the book. And, you know, not to not to speed through the book but I mean no, you went through same. this twice just yes. so people yeah. understand <laughs> this was a double experience for her which is part of the like <laughs> you know I like get through the first one and I'm like yes. oh my gosh we're going to have to do this again <laughs> the exact same thing yep as then- i'm reading i'm like oh my gosh it's not even my children and i'm already feeling this um yeah. so you know you went through this process twice and i also appreciate and we'll, we'll dive a little bit more into grief and walking through this with people in the second half, but, um, what you're saying, I could see really well, you laid it out beautifully in the book, just the sense of being able to grieve the process well and what that looked like and how delivery was able to play part of that. So like you said, if someone has the choice, I mean, bottom line, this book is obviously the link will be in our show notes. You all know that, but you know, if you have been through this or you know somebody that has been through this, even if you never have, mm-hmm. and we pray that you never do, mm-hmm. being able to read this just to have the understanding, if God forbid that is your story, um or God willing, it's your story. I guess we could change the mm-hmm. the narrative there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, then you need to be prepared. And I just think I, I have not read a better book so far on what that looks like. and if you have the option. I think you explained the delivery process really well and where the healing came from in that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really appreciated that. What would you say, um, this is sort of like a, a side note question, in writing this book or in reading this book, is there one point that you have found resonates with people more than any? Do you hear a consistent especially for women who have experienced this. Is this sort of like a pause in the story? I'm just curious if there's been like a consistent theme, Did
1: you know that family travel has the incredible power to shape our children's worldview and create lasting memories? In a world where representation is often lacking, it's essential for our children to see themselves reflected in every aspect of life, including the stories we tell about travel. Introducing the Travel of Legacy podcast, where we're rewriting the script by celebrating the diverse voices of Black and Brown family travelers. Each episode of Travel of Legacy is a testament to the enriching power and the joy of exploration in Black and Brown communities. So journey with us and subscribe now. Um, I one of the things I would say as far as the the book as a whole and the writing as a whole is I've heard, you know, people, someone um, said, and it kind of, if I've heard this in, in different ways of like, you said things that I was thinking and I didn't say it out loud because I was too afraid mm-hmm. to. Yeah, And um, I think as a whole, the theme was from women who have walked it like they felt seen mm. and heard and understood mm. when maybe they weren't able to express it or, or know how to grieve it themselves, mm. um, and so it was kind of like a, uh, it, which was, was my my goal. I that was like my goal of of sharing this. When I got to the point of like this could you know I could put this in a book and share it. I was like, I want women um, and men who have gone. I have had men read it um, to know that they are not alone in their struggle, yeah. and that is, I think, the biggest thing that people have told me. Like, I feel not alone now. Like, I, yeah. I, I, in the things, even the like, the very real and raw and vulnerable things that I, I share and yes. they, which we're
0: gonna dive into more you guys don't worry we'll get there
1: <laughs> I, I feel they, they it's like people are are we're scared right we're scared to grieve we're scared yeah. to say things that are like what
0: like what why would you even think that you know and why do you think talking about miscarriage is such a because I've heard this many times why do you think it's such a like taboo or shameful thing for women to talk about I in fit, your experience.
1: Yeah. I, as I talked to him, because I like, I guess I didn't fit that mold because I, <laughs>
0: I'm like, I'm going to talk about this, you know, yes, which and, you and me, I mean, girl, we're cut from the same cloth, like yeah, I'm perfectly yeah. empowered. I'm all about sharing. That's why we're here. Yeah. Yes. But, but we are unusual. But, yes. Yeah. I, cause of the and more, why? I, but I guess
1: it, it, I shouldn't say I'm like, like perfectly like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, share everything. But, um, there is a shame of something's wrong with me. Mm. I did something wrong. That's always the, I think the first thing that goes through women's mind is Mm. what did I do wrong? What is wrong with my body that I killed this child? Like Mm. there, because you're so attached to your child, right? Like, they are a different human being, but they're in you. And you're the one that is, that God created you to give them yeah. that, the source to live. And then all of a sudden the baby is, is gone and it dies. You just think, I mean, you're going like, women. you go through the, like, and I did the same thing, like, did I, did I not take all my vitamins? Did I miss did, You mm-hmm. know, like, I'm like, Oh my goodness. I, I might've been too strenuous with my exercise. Um, I literally, so I used to teach preschool gymnastics and, um, they, I, uh, it was like little kids. Right. And I was, I was, again, I was in my first trimester, right. Barely even had yeah. a baby bump. And one of the kids like kicked me accidentally. Mm. And then I'm thinking, did did that kill my child? You know, mm. and you're going through the whole list and it's always like, it's me, it's me, it's me. And so I think that shame that you, we carry of, um, I, something's wrong with me and I don't yeah. want people to know that. And then,
0: what would you say from your experience? And you talk about this in the book, but specifically with this thought, what would you say to that shame? Hmm. What would you say now to the woman who, because shame is shame, right? Whether it's a miscarriage or it's something hmm. else that's happened in your life. I mean, yes, yeah. shame is shame, it's a human yeah. emotion. And so, whether it be specific to miscarriage or whatever it is in your experience, what would you say to that feeling of shame?
1: Yeah. Well, the and woman I who
0: experiences it.
1: Yeah. And I have heard that shame is when we turn it becomes an identity statement, right? Like, mm. I am my struggle. Mm. I am, it's not, I struggle with this. You know, I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with depression. Yes. I struggle with whatever. It is, I am this. Mm. And so I think that that's where that shame of it's, it's, we, we were not detaching it in a sense of this is something that happened to me. It is this,
0: I am this thing going through it. Mm. And so what that's I would- That's beautiful though. It's a great definition.
1: Yeah. So what I would say is no, no, you, you didn't cause the death of your child. Um, you, you did not, you aren't your grief, Like even you are not this, like, this is something that has tragically happened to you. And I think that as you walk through, um, what I had learned to them, because what happens is the grief then becomes you. And there is a, that's when we can get into that spiral of darkness instead of seeing it as kind of something separate and like, wait, I'm actually more than my miscarriage. Yeah. I'm a mother of two other children. I am a wife. I am a friend. I am a, you know, fill in the blanks. I am more than what is happening to me. And then we can kind of take grief and see it and then be able to deal with it instead of it being a, no, this is, this is my life.
0: Okay. I did not give her this heads up, Christina. We're going to play a quick round of this or that. It is very simple. No stress, two options. (laughs) Okay. She's like, I'm type A. You didn't. I I know you didn't prepare me. Okay. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Um, I should call it. Would you rather? I keep saying this. Oh my gosh. I need to like put this in my script. Would you rather cake or pie? Cake. What's your favorite kind of cake?
1: Um, My mom always for my birthday forever. uh, Chocolate cake with homemade peanut butter icing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's an oldie but a goodie. It has to be made well. Yes. Um, Would you rather listen to music or a podcast? music. Yeah. What's your favorite? What do you listen to? Like, what's your go to when you turn it on? This is likely what you're going to hear on Christina's playlist.
1: <laughs> um Well, we can get to that. I actually have a, a a Spotify, Spotify and YouTube playlist of the songs that were very, very meaningful to me through
0: my Ooh, journey. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, let's so, get that
1: link. I mean, whatever, like worship, contemporary Christian yeah um is basically what I what I go to so
0: yeah um so would you rather go to a movie premiere so let's bring Brett into this would you rather see (laughs) Brett in a movie or would you rather see him in the theater in like a play oh like a theater play yes
1: movie yeah
0: yeah. What's your favorite movie he's ever done?
1: Oh, well, okay. Well, spoiler alert. <laughs> we just finished. Here we go. Film. Bring it. Sorry, Brett. <laughs> I know. I know. we just we did our own film uh the fall of 2022 and he worked all last year 2023 um completing the film. It's called Disciples in the Moonlight. And uh it is we are now it's it's finished and we are he is now shopping it around to distributors yeah. and we are now seeing how we can get it out to um, the country and possibly the world. Uh, is this so. the
0: first one that has been done on your own? Uh,
1: no, we did one years okay. ago that he, that he uh, produced and directed and and so forth. So this is one that we've been actually trying to do for the last about eight years and um, which the Lord is, is sovereign over that. And um, we see now his hand of why we needed to wait and, and mm-hmm. so forth. And so, um, it's basically the premise is what would, um, kind of like what would it be like if, um, the Bible was illegal in the United States? And mm-hmm. it's these, um, this team that has to basically take the Word of God across state lines to like underground churches. So mm-hmm. it's, it's very, mm-hmm. very exciting. And that would be my, and I, and I, I watched it a few weeks ago for the first time because I'm one of those people mm. that I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it yeah. until it's completely finished. Sometimes he'll ask me my opinion. Well, he's always asked me my opinion, but I was kind of like, I don't want to see it. And so I got a yeah. kind of private screening and it is phenomenal and that is probably so far my my favorite project
0: of his. That's so, so fun. I it's love little- that. Yeah, that is that really is. We we should. We should get you and Brett on the podcast to talk about filmmaking. Definitely. But that is a whole nother world. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um okay. Would you rather be a ninja or a pirate? Very serious question. Ninja. <laughs> what would you do with your ninja skills? This is actually on my bucket list, not to be a ninja, but to like self defense like Krav Magar. <laughs>
1: yes yeah literally
0: yeah. on my list
1: yeah we so brett and i forever we're waiting for the kids to get a little older but i said well maybe we this all will be, i know i was like maybe this will be our 40 when we turn 40 and yeah. like it'll be our the year the the 40 whatever we want to take like mma classes yeah and and do like a little bit of
0: everything and so yeah, yeah. definitely
1: interesting
0: i'm that. in <laughs> i'm in i'll join Okay. I'm across state lines. Would you rather own a personal yacht or a private jet? Oh, I probably, know. Probably
1: I know. a private jet. Sorry about that one. I I really want to travel all over. Yeah. And so a jet, so
0: I can get everywhere. Where's the first place you're flying on your private jet? Italy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, well, I'll join you there too. Yes,
1: I have Italian blood in me, and that's always been my like. I would love to go and see where my yeah, my grandparents and great grandparents are from.
0: So yeah, and it is beautiful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and warm. Yes, love <laughs> it. Yes, <laughs> you guys are in Indiana, right? Yes, 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 and we're in Pennsylvania. So yeah, we got the same guys weather. in cold weather states. You understand? Yes, yeah, I understand. <laughs> Um, well, let's talk a little bit more about the nitty gritty. Like this is, this is the uncomfortable elements that are just so hard to bring up in normal conversation, right? It's like you've had a miscarriage, um, or, you know, multiple stillbirth, like fill in the blank. And this is true even of birth, actually, even of delivering a quote unquote normal experience. I was shocked how much after that I was not prepared for. And I went to nursing school, Hmm. but like breastfeeding, there was elements to breastfeeding that nobody told me how painful it would be. Nobody told me that like my nipples would literally be red and cracked and swollen. Like no one prepared me for that. And it's like, unless you have the right people in your life, you're not talking to anybody about it. And that's just a, you know, quote unquote normal experience or like sex after delivery. No one really prepared me for that right um or going to the bathroom after having a <laughs> vaginal delivery like so many things and that's with a quote unquote like happy experience and so I think to your point this is one of the reasons that these physical things aren't talked about after a really sorrowful experience because it's like you're already having a hard time verbalizing what you're feeling let alone then all of the physical things that come, after that. And so again, for the sake of education or for the sake of um just helping the listeners feel seen wherever you are, those of you listening and watching in your own journey, you know, I want Christina to be able to share some of that, which she does in detail and in, in the book. But one of the things that I had not thought of, despite the fact that I'm medical, is the fact that you would lactate after delivering Mm -hmm. a miscarriage Mm -hmm. i just Mm -hmm. that makes perfect Mm -hmm. sense i just hadn't Mm -hmm. really thought about that and the grief Mm -hmm. that would come from having to suppress so tell me a little bit about that and what you walked through there yes uh
1: well so to kind of um to go from the very beginning when i delivered our first so he it was a boy again we were able to see um and tell it it was a boy very clearly (laughs) and Uh, and so we named him Seth and I delivered him. And then, uh, the placenta was not coming out and after delivering him and we had to wait. And then of course, from a medical standpoint, if you leave any tissue in there, you are risking infection. And I then had to go get a DNC after I delivered. So I kind of had to do, which is even though the baby was already out it was just it was another thing you know you're just yeah, just traumatizing thing. yeah right right and so it's like even after anyone miscarriages and delivers you do you don't want the constant reminders but you have the constant reminders and that mm-hmm. is what is what is the hardest part of 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 it and so with him like i said i had to then go and make sure i i got it out and um and then the second time um that you had mentioned this happened twice and it literally was And a year later uh we tried again and exactly 13 weeks it was literally living the nightmare again the exact same mm-hmm. thing um went in delivered uh it was another boy uh we named him Roey after uh, the name of God El Roey, which means um you're the god who sees me and uh and so that um that time I delivered but then as I went home Wait, I think I'm, I'm like trying to remember. Sorry, so again, I have to like listen. Okay, I and no, understand. it was it was after Rowie. Um, I was de- continuing to deliver p- pieces of my placenta, mm-hmm. and whereas I didn't, they 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 she was able to get um you know all most all of it out. But Mm -hmm. then she did kind of say, you may still see some remnants from, you know, your uterus. And so sure enough, I was then delivering, continuing to deliver the placenta. And it, of course, now I'm like, yeah, I'm worried. And did I get a, you know, and whatnot. And um, I ended up even after Roey having like severe leg pain. And then we were like, well, you might have a blood clot. So I had to, I had to go in. And I'm sitting at the table, I don't have, I don't know if this made it in the book. <laughs> so I'm like, I didn't read my book yet. No, but I had, <laughs> well, because I did, I wrote so much and I had, yes, to, exactly. cut. I had yeah. to cut so yeah. much out, um, which is normal, but I had to go get, you know, an ultrasound on my leg and I'm laying there. And of course I'm like, now um, I don't want anything to do with a doctor. I don't want to be yeah. on a table, like get me home. I do not want to be on a table. And she's like, and I'm like moving and she keeps yelling at me to stop. And I'm thinking like, you don't know what I just went through,
0: you know, and whatever. Yeah.
1: And, stuff. and so I'm, I'm dealing with that and it's just like you do. I'm like, get my, can my body just be, be normal again?
0: And, um, and, and medical turn- fatigue, mm-hmm. those that she has not mentioned this yet, but you also have Crohn's disease. Yes. So this the whole concept of you know chronic disease for anyone that has suffered from a chronic disease like you also understand this but you know I'm sure not to put words in your mouth but I'm sure there's just this underlying baseline of medical fatigue where like that underlying sense of I would just love for my body to feel normal yeah so to yes. add on top of this yes
1: yeah exactly. you know
0: I mean that compounds it even yeah. more
1: well and that then. Um, I did flare around the same, the time of both these miscarriages. So then I go through the book of the journey of, and this is where I was like, it's me. I have this, I have this bowel disease. I have this autoimmune disease. I am killing my child, um, which going through it, we actually never, there was no conclusive. There is no conclusive answer to that. If, if Mm -hmm. my, if the autoimmune was reacting with, with them. But, um, but yes, it was then I had to deal with the flare on, uh, you know, so you you have the physical manifestations that are on top of the emotional. And I think even after Roe, it was a lot more. Um, and, and I, and then, you know, the milk comes in, which I knew I, I had done that with Seth. And then you have to literally, you know, I have a cousin who is a lactation consultant and she was just like, all right, here, you know, normally you're going to the lactation consultant after birth What are all the things I need to do to, you know, get my milk flowing? And this I'm saying, these are all the things you need to do to suppress your milk. And um, literally hanging over the sink and trying to get milk to come out and emotional. And you're just like, and of course, you know, you don't waste breast milk that is like, yeah. it's the goal, yeah. you know, you don't waste yes. it. And I'm, I'm watching it come out of me and there's no, no baby to give it to. And yeah. it's, it's that, um, that constant reminder.
0: And so of loss, there, it's more loss.
1: Yes. It's more loss. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. more loss. And, um, and then as you're going through all the physical, like you had said, like, you just want your body to be normal. Mine, I was just thinking, I want my physical body normal so I can focus and work on the emotional, you know, because yes, it's yes. now it's this like, and it is, it's kind of all wed together. Um, yeah. but it, it does feel like you almost, I have to deal with all of the physical, which then mm. is fueling the emotional, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And it I think, again, something that you did explain beautifully in the book is just constantly holding in tension the quote unquote normal experiences that were in such juxtaposition to the abnormal experiences that you were having, meaning like lactation is totally normal. But instead of it now being this joyous thing, it's a reminder of grief going into the hospital. I'm I'm quoting the book. I you said this and I laughed and like cried out loud all at the same time, but you're like, there isn't a checklist for what to bring to the hospital when you are delivering a baby that won't be coming home, mm-hmm. you know. And I laughed out loud while I'm crying because I'm like, it's so true. It's just yeah. this sense of I should be rejoicing and yet I'm devastated and just that really, uh, you know, challenging living in that tension. For so many different reasons, one of the other things that you talked about that was also just like, ugh, was something I'd never thought about is the options of what to do with with the child or the tissue Mm -hmm. with the remains.
1: Yeah.
0: And that was an education for me as well. Talk a little bit about that with Mm -hmm. miscarriage or stillbirth, Mm -hmm. what it looks like on that end of it once you have delivered the tissue or the form child, depending on the type of miscarriage or stillbirth.
1: Yeah. So there's actually like laws about it. So it's not even just say, Oh, you can do whatever, yes, you know, you want type of thing. Um, and so obviously if somebody has a DNC, you have now, there's nothing like they're not gonna, they, they dispose of, of the child. Um, but once you deliver a child, um, if it's, uh, after 20 weeks, you wait, I don't know. No, I gotta, I, I gotta think about this. I think I wrote about it. You're putting me on the spot. It's been a while. Um, <laughs> no worries. That's got, why wait, you guys so, have to
0: get the book. I know you have, you have to get the, get the
1: book. book. So, cause exactly okay, so right. we were 13. So they basically told us that we could, um, take, they, they would, they would, um, um, dispose
0: uh, of the body yes they
1: would cremate it yes so what they do yes. with the, our hospital they take they they're like hey we will take the baby we 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 put them we then they get them all cremated and then there's actually a spot at our in our town's um what's it called cemetery where yeah. they they spread the ashes and as mm-hmm. and so they'll take all the babies from, I don't know how, like every so many months or whatever, and they will then, and they will spread the ashes. So they were like, mm-hmm. we can do that. They, they were like, or we could call the funeral home and the funeral home will take the baby and we could then either bury the baby or cremate it ourselves. Um mm-hmm. I think then after 20 weeks, the difference is they basically are like, I don't think they, the hospital will um, handle the baby. Like, gotcha. You, yeah, you have to then call the funeral yes. home, and you either yes. you because either now it's viable,
0: it or, so it's yes, yes. Yeah, so yeah. they
1: will. That yeah. that's the difference. So the hospital up until that point can will you can give them the option to to take care of it, and mm. um and so then the yeah then you're like again these are decisions you you have no idea and you don't think and yeah. you're in the midst of grief and you're just like. Physical pain, all of it, yeah, you're just like, yeah. what's the right answer? And then you're like, am I gonna regret something and mm-hmm. and all of that and um i I was like, well, if they're gonna if either we cream cremate it if we take it or if the hospital like I would rather like that was kind of yeah. like we were like, we sure. would rather instead of it just like go to um but again, everyone everyone's different, and mm-hmm. um and so we chose and then. We, of course, we could have, like, gone through the whole process of burying the baby and, and whatnot, um, but we, I don't know. For us, like, and I know we we can get into the whole, like, I don't know, theology on cremation versus, you know, whatever.
0: <laughs> we, yeah. we, we're yeah. on the... the, 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 the like- Listen, I'm like, my theology level would not be high enough to even probably... <laughs> Yeah. I'm just like I'm fine are- with cre yeah. I'm fine with cremation. We'll put it that way. Okay, yeah. And some people I personally want my fine. body to be spread under a tree <laughs> because I want my death to represent life because hallelujah yes. this is not my home. Yes, yes. <laughs> I and will be bodies, more alive than ever after I die. So right, exactly. And God
1: is God is going to redeem our bodies, whether somebody amen. Burned, burned to the stake or whatever. Right. So amen. Anyway, and again, and that's people, and I and I want to respect those people, but so we did not see anything wrong with cremating. So that yeah. was the thing. I was like, well, then I and we didn't want to bury like it, you know in our backyard because what if we move? I was like, I want sure. this, this baby with us. So that's what we chose for both of them. Um, we had, um, the funeral home, go, come get them, had them cremated. And then we have these little like jars that mm-hmm. we, we have of Seth and Rowie. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but yeah, like I and said, the scene it's that you like, depict
0: yeah. in the book is really poignant with that because it's just so raw. It's vulnerable. And, you know, the concept of like Brett bringing, I think you said like Brett brought the jar to work or something. And it was just, this is so real. And this yeah. is the conversation You know, and for those of you listening and watching, some of you have already felt your heart rate pick up a little bit. Some of you have already felt that awkward sense of discomfort, like, uh, like this just feels weird to talk about. And that's literally why we're talking about it, because we need to be able to normalize the conversation so that you are equipped to listen to someone else and give another woman or yourself permission to talk about hard things. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Because we can't, and that's the thing is like when you stuff grief, it's going to come out somehow. Yeah. <laughs> the, the goal is, it's going to isolate you. And I yes. want you to talk about this for a second. Cause you had a great, great quote. And this is literally leading to what you were just about to say is the grief is going to come out at some point. And how do we have it come out in a healthy way? But you said this, and I want you to talk about this. Um, the quote was, oh, I'm going to have to read it. I didn't write it out. Sorry. Right. Here There you go, y'all. Page five. This is where we are. You said this was after your first one with Seth. You said, as history is shown with my personality, I want the steps needed to fix whatever problem yeah. I have or for God to immediately show me. What he's trying to teach me, am I being punished for sin? Is he trying to tell me of an idol I need to get rid of? I'm scared. At the moment I tip over to really ask them and trying to find the answers, I downward spiral. And then not far from that, you talk about the idea that as history is shown with my personality, you told yourself, I can't isolate myself, which I'm prone to do in pain. Mm -hmm. And so where I want you you to be able to speak to that is, this idea of isolation and how grief does have a tendency for many of us to make us withdraw. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about that and how to overcome that. Mm -hmm. As we all know that isolation and grief is like bad idea. We don't want that.
1: (laughs) Right. I think first it comes back to what we were talking about with Shane Um, I think with any grief and loss and struggle and pain, there is this, again, we, we take it on ourselves, And so we don't want, um, I mean that, that goes all the way back to Genesis three, right? (laughs) I mean, that is, that is our human response is, uh, to cover, to Mm -hmm. isolate, to hide. That is what we're, what we're going to do. Um, whether it is actual sin or, a uh, an effective sin, which is death. And, and a miscarriage. And so we, we take it on ourselves, We shame. And that's therefore is something's wrong with me. And I don't want people to, to know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be more judged. Um, yeah. what what are, there's the fear of rejection, right? Mm. What are, what are people going to think? And, and so forth. And I think that in our, um, grief, we, we, we do that. That's why we, we hide and we isolate and we don't want people uh, to know, um, I, the other lie that I think the devil, uh, will whisper is nobody, nobody's like you, you're, you're yeah. alone, you're alone. Like you're, there is this, you, you're, you, nobody would understand because nobody's, ex, is, has experienced this. Um, and I think where there's truth that every person's experience is is different. Mm-hmm. We are all human, we're all made in the image of God, and there is gonna be way more commonality than there actually mm-hmm. is and, and that. And so the that that constant of, well, you're the only one, Christina that is so angry and is questioning God. Right. So even like something like that is like, well, what would people think if they actually knew Mm. what I was thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, what, you know, fortunately Brett and I were able to come together, but um, I think the statistic is eighty percent of marriages fall apart after a death of a child in any form. I can believe that. Yeah. And so, because what happens is there is that. What I mean, right there in the marriage. So we're not even talking about like friendships and loved ones and whatnot. Like even in the marriage where it starts to be this like you don't understand or you're grieving differently than me or you're not seeing it for my or what you know. And that's then mm-hmm. where the division is because it's very. I mean, let's be honest. Grief is so inward. And whereas that we do, it's okay, right? If we do it, but we can't stay, we can't stay inward because that's then where you will downward spiral in the shame, in the lies of you're alone and there is no hope and people don't understand. And I mean, the list can go on, right? So that's then. How do you step out of that? You have to step out. You have to come out of yourself in the sense of reaching out for help, telling mm-hmm. someone, telling people, telling someone you're, you know, that you trust. Um, in the in the book, I I clearly show that the first and best answer is being honest with God. Um, mm-hmm. he already knows. And, um, I, I love the Psalms. They're my favorite book of the Bible. And it is, if, if they are so real, they're so vulnerable, they're like, yeah. where were you God? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And taking that first and foremost to the Lord is the beginning I feel. Mm-hmm. And then the next step is, is share. You don't have to share. You don't have to put it on fa- social media people, you know, right. like. Some right. people yes. do, we were vocal Preach. about it and we had yeah. people, but I'm saying there, there isn't this like, well, I have to it's show not like, all or nothing is what it's you're not. saying. You it's don't, not, you don't exactly. have to write a book about it. You exactly. Know, it's like, it, it's not, yes. it is more just like step out to the people that you trust that can come alongside you and walk with you. And I feel like right there, you're able to have those first steps of healing really.
0: Yeah. You, you mentioned marriage and I appreciated your vulnerability too about a very understandable fear of intimacy, you know, having sex again, this idea of like protecting yourself again, it's that mm-hmm. protective piece, mm-hmm. um, from more loss. And it's like, I'm terrified to get pregnant again. Yes. Um, you talked about that, which I think was, was so good, but, um, talk to us a little bit more just about healing in marriage briefly like what were steps that you and Brett took because i think what you said is is so good that you know even within marriage it's incredibly difficult to heal from this and if somebody is walking through grief of any kind and struggling what are the steps that they can take that that you and Brett would say from your experience you know how quickly do you talk to each other first or do you give space for each other to grieve in their own way and you talk to someone else first and then come together like what is the process for someone to even take that next step out yeah that's a great great question um
1: i everyone's going to be different in the sense of what how they're going to grieve um mm. and that's just finding that um what, what is going to work the best for you. And so in a marriage, the two of you will probably not grieve the same. And, mm. and so I feel like patience is huge and, and, and like just being patient with each other. The biggest thing I think with grief that people need to understand is that there's no timetable. There is yes. no timetable and it's not linear. Yeah. So when you look at your spouse, you have to keep that in mind that maybe one of the spouse is going to be, um, walking through healing a little faster than the mm-hmm. other one, but they can't shame or, and they can't, you know, put down the other one because they're not doing it fast enough. Like mm-hmm. the, you know, like thinking or even saying out loud, like, mom, why are you still so grieving? And why are you so sad? And, you know, and in all of those things can be very uh, damaging. Cause then we're not listening. We're uh, listening is huge too. like taking the time to sit and like, how are you doing? And, and where are you at? Um, my husband and I have a great marriage where we are each other's best friends. So it is very, we were a lot of times what, so for me personally, <laughs> um, because I wrote, he would give me space. He was that was the mm-hmm. thing of he gave. We had this like I was like I was like, "Hun, I got it. I got to go write." And he's like, "Okay." And I and, and I'm kind of the one like I need to get it out now. <laughs> like, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got to like vomit this out. And so yeah. he's like, "Okay, what do you need?" And I was like, Hey, tomorrow, can I whatever?" He's like, "Sure, I'll take the kids." Or I'm mean, of course with his or you know his mom was available. to yeah. get someone or whatever, and I would yeah. go off and write. And then when I was done, I gave it to him and he read it and he was able to see and process as Mm. well, what I was going through. And then it helped him be able to grieve as well. Mm. Um, So that was a very personal, tangible way that we did it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so whatever that could look like, maybe someone isn't a writer or journaler, or maybe it is just talking or they're doing Mm. something artistic or it, it, whatever that looks like, maybe it's just getting in, you know, crawling up and having a good cry. And Brett would just hold me, you know, just even just his, his presence was, I see you and it's okay. Uh, And I'm here with you type of thing. Yeah. And um so we have to just like again the whole like there's no timetable. It's not linear. So even if someone months down the road has a, you know, a, a whatever, like it's just okay. Like you right. just yeah. it's not, it's not yeah. bad, I think. Like I think we just yes. see this like this is a bad thing. And it's it's not that. Yeah. If we can see grief as a good and a beautiful and needed thing, we yes. can offer each other the grace to be able to walk through it. However, however that looks. And then on the flip side, where I was saying like one may be struggling, the person who's struggling can't look at the person that isn't struggling and think that, right. oh, well, you must not think that this baby was that important. You know, like, no, right. that's not what It's that, again, not
0: linear. It's like that, <laughs> yes. that might be tomorrow for them. Yes. Yeah. But it's right it's, now it's not today. Yeah. Yes.
1: And by, by God's grace, like it, there were moments where I was doing really well and he was not, and I was able to carry him. And then the moments that kind of flipped where I was really
0: struggling and he was able to carry me. And that's, yeah, that's giving each other space. Yeah. yeah, To do that. I, so I want to offer another tangible thought. I love how you said you would write and then Brett would read it. I think one of the challenges for a lot of us is Um, women or men even is it's hard to say what you're really thinking to a spouse's face Mm. and and another thought would be for someone who doesn't want to write the idea of just voice recording and it's verbal vomit I mean you Mm. just whatever it's like instead of shouting to an empty room you record it Mm. and you just let yourself go and you express your thoughts and you record it And then maybe you share it with your spouse later. And maybe you're not even in the room when they're listening to it. Mm. But to be able to let them hear your grief in real time and for them to be prepared that like this is raw and you have to be able to handle what I'm saying and understand this is me grieving. But this is also maybe a way for couples to be. I mean, I'm thinking like this would, you know, be a practical thing for many marriages just to be whether it's grief or anything and yes. to be able to play yeah. it back <laughs> uh-huh. later if yeah. you don't feel like having it in real time um is something i'm just throwing out there in real time because i love the the I'm writing journaling switch, then,
1: yeah. yeah i think that i think yeah. that's great and i and another point too is you know men and, or at least my husband, he wants to immediately fix the problem. Right. So oh, amen. It, it, that sounds it's, familiar. Yeah. Like trying to find the solution. Cause like you're, he sees me in pain and suffering and he wants yeah. to take that away because what do we do me. about it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that with the writing and I like your voice um, idea and it's just like saying, Hey babe, look, you don't even have to respond to this.
0: Like I'm not respond to it. Yeah.
1: Or don't respond. Yeah. Like I'm not looking for an answer. I'm not looking for whatever. If you have something like, okay, but I just want, I just need to get this out and I just need to listen. And it then puts the pressure off of him to Mm -hmm. feel like, oh, I got to answer this or I got to whatever. It's like, no, I just Mm -hmm. want you to hear me. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of how we, we tried to operate that. So, yeah
0: yeah I love that. One of the things that you're passionate about and is the topic for your next book, and I think this is beautiful um is creating that space for people to share their experiences so that we can better come alongside someone who has experienced miscarriage, stillbirth, or infant loss. What uh, share with us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So I had, um, you know, my book being out and people knowing my story. Um, I had several people that would come to me asking, Hey, my, so-and-so my friends, my loved one, my whatever, just lost a miscarriage. What, what, like, and these were women who had never had a miscarriage. So they were like, what can I do to help them? And honestly, I got tired of like typing out a respo- response. And so last year, somebody had done that to me. And I sat there and I was like, all right, da, 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 da. and I'm typing out all this, like, do this, don't do this. You know, here's some encouraging tips. These are things to mm-hmm. avoid. And I'm like about ready to push send. And it was like, Christina, you could write a book about this. And I like push mm-hmm. send and I was like, Christina, you could write a book about this. Yeah. Oh. I was like, <laughs> I should do that. And so I started the process. Um, and I I even have a um like a a form that people could have filled out that I tried to spread the word of hey, if you have experienced loss, I would love to know what were the do's and don'ts. Like what were the mm-hmm. really encouraging things, what were the not encouraging things and, um, gather kind of that out. So it's more than just my experience mm-hmm. and, and just things that I've heard by talking to people. Uh, and so my goal is I want it to be, it'll probably be more like a, like a little, like a little booklet, you know, not like a collection. As like a full, yeah. Yeah. Like one Are of you like, still your little collecting responses. Um, I am, I am still, cause I, you know, life gets busy and I'm, <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, sure. I'm still oh, working absolutely. on it.
1: Absolutely. So I could give you the link of that Yeah, that please. Yes. can. Because I have gotten some phenomenal things. And I think that people are going to be. I, I tried on it when I read some of these things that people, the things yeah. that people say that are just and, and it's it's people just don't you just, you don't understand. You don't, people yeah, just you don't, don't you, know. you can't like, I didn't understand yeah. before. And I know that I have said a lot of things that were probably like, "Whoa, I should not have said that we all do it. And so yeah. I just want to bring awareness and mm-hmm. yeah, something tangible that people can see and, and be like, oh, okay. These are the things that I think this person would help and things to, to definitely, please, please, please avoid.
0: <laughs> if all possible. Yes for any of you who have experienced miscarriage, um, infant loss, stillbirth to be able to share your experience. So that can get included in the book would be awesome. It's helping. It's helping all of us just collectively as women and Mm -hmm. men to be able to, um, sympathize and share in the grief as we want to do and should be doing. I, I, I want to conclude with this sort of full circle moment. One of the things that in my own life, and you have mentioned this several times as well, grief is often so closely related to fear. And on this side of eternity in our human state, it is so hard to separate the two. Mm -hmm. And you share such a beautiful, you know, at one point in your book, And I think a lot of you listening and watching can relate, but I just want to read something from her book. And Christina says, how do I move on from my past when it has made me who I am today? I loved and cared too much for a son and then another son, and it ended with ashes on my bedside table. And I will probably not get through this without crying. Mm -hmm. Who am I today when I feel so lost, when my future changes in a matter of a silent heart doppler, when I constantly feel like I am in limbo? when once again I have to delete social media off my phone because other women's lives are full of a hopeful future while mine is a blank slate. Ladies, men, if this is you listening, this is Christina's answer to her own struggle. She says later, the Holy Spirit reminded me of this. He doesn't love me any less because of my past or because he is continuing to allow pain and suffering in my life. I'm on my knees in this park with my face pressed onto the carpet. I'm on my knees with my face pressed onto the carpet of my living room as we pray. I can't get up from this position. This is where I am supposed to be. I'm so overwhelmed in this moment. This is enough. This is my purpose in the pain, to worship to fall at his feet, not to do anything else. Not living up to others' expectations or my own expectations. Before I was a wife, before I was a mom, I was and am a daughter of the king. Nothing in this life can change that. If I were to literally stand in the presence of Jesus and didn't do another thing, it would be enough. My relationship with him and my worship of him is enough to glorify his name and that I needed that that right there. (laughs) Amen. Don't we all, but you, you know, you just are such an inspiration, your willingness to be vulnerable. And at the end of the day, to allow the Lord to work through that pain and to recognize that in the end, it is all about worship whether it's through struggle, whether it's through grief, whether it's through blessing, Mm -hmm. that at the end we worship through it all. And for Jesus, that's enough. And so that's really the call is to worship. And that's what I was encouraged by. And it was just such an honor to have you here in your story. Where can people find you and keep an eye on you and learn more about what you do and get this book and the next book coming?
1: Yeah. So um, my website is christinavarvel.com. And that's basically where I'm at. I'm not on social media uh, currently. Um, that could be a, another blog post. <laughs> um, I'm not on social media. And so I um, people can buy my book on my website or um, my book is also on Amazon uh, that you can find. I have the, um, the a hard copy and an ebook version on Amazon. Um, you can get the Hard copy. One of these days, I'd love to do an audio book if my husband can uh take some time. Yeah, there you that. go. <laughs> I would yeah. love to do the audio book. Um yeah. that's 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 a goal I still want to do. Um, but anyways, I also blog. So on ChristinaVarvel.com, um, I have a blog that I continue to just write and share about um mm-hmm. life in general. Um, yeah. so people can can know and follow me and so forth.
0: Yeah, yeah com. Of course, as always, we will have the book link in the show notes or on YouTube in the description. And um, yeah, check her out. Also, be sure to fill out that link in that form. If you have experienced loss similar yes. um, and want to be able to share your story, you all have heard it from me many, many times. It is the one thing that no one can ever take away and no one can ever duplicate. It is your story. And that is a gift that the Lord has given you to share. Mm -hmm. Um, So thank you so much for sharing yours, Christina. It was an honor.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I've been blessed by this. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Imperfectly Empowered podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts from today. Leave an honest review of the show on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think. Remember, your story matters and you are loved.